Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Hour number two on this Friday afternoon. Pete Callender here. You are there. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for letting me be a part of your day. The phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And um, I saw a story. It was actually an, another Fox News story about all of the, the problems that Asheville, North Carolina, is having with their police staffing issues. But one of the things they were talking about was overtime pay, that they're having to pay cops to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in overtime because they don't have enough staff. And uh, that reminded me of an exchange that I heard on uh, Good Morning BT uh, between Bill Graham and Pat McCrory. And so I wanted to chat a little bit with Bill Graham about this very topic. Uh, He's a partner at Wallace & Graham. He's a former prosecutor. And uh, welcome to the show. Bill, how are you? Hey, Pete. How are you? Good afternoon. I am doing well. And uh, we've actually spoken before. Yes. 2000. Five or six, I want to say. <laughs> so it's been a while. But I believe, if I recall correctly, you were doing something about gas taxes. That was right. That was in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, and our uh, state gas tax got out of control because it was pegged at the at the barrel price, and it was hurting folks. So I was able to do a petition and get that fixed and uh, move on down the road. That's right. And um, you ran for governor? Correct. I did. You did. did. Okay. Did you run in the same election as Pat? I did. Okay. I I thought. Okay. So I I thought that was you, and I thought that I had that correct, but I just wanted to confirm. All right. So you're right. All right. You're right on in every respect. All righty. So you you did talk with Pat about this the other day. Uh, I Mm -hmm. I I was kind of half listening, and as I was getting ready in the morning, and um, I thought it was kind of comical that apparently uh, you had been promoting this idea of. Uh, what exempting overtime from taxes? That's right. State taxation um, uh, against overtime earnings. Um, I'm trying to get that abolished so that if you work over 40 hours or whatever your mandatory work week is, whatever it's pegged at, that hour of overtime, that first hour from then on, you're tax free as far as the state's concerned. So why why do that? What's the benefit? It puts more money into the pockets of those that earned it in the first place. And a lot of times when folks are earning overtime, they get a little bit better. Uh, actually, it's, a, it's worse on the rate that they pay on the overtime rather than regular income. And so it's in, in essence, you're giving the state a loan because many times folks are um, they're going to get that money back at the end of the year anyway if they've paid too much tax, particularly if they've earned too much overtime or a lot of overtime. Um, said it another way, if you're, if you're working extra for your employer, take the public service people there in Asheville, for example, that you cited, um, those folks are going to be able to take that home to their families. And typically they're going to spend it at Walgreens or CVS or Food Lion or Harris Teeter or 
Walgreens, you know, Walmart yeah. or someplace. Yeah. They're going to spend that money. It's going to get taxed by the state on the sales side. So the state is not losing that amount of money, but the average family is is going to notice the difference in a big way. So how does it, I, I totally get the idea of the taxation, you know, letting the, if you're paying taxes on it, the government's going to sit on that money yep. and it's not going yep. to be in circulation. So I, I get that side of the argument better to keep it in circulation. Uh, that's sort of a general argument against onerous tax rates to begin with, right? But uh, is there, I, I guess, is there a, is there some other benefit? Like if I am earning the overtime that that somehow puts me into a higher tax bracket or something? Are they taking more of it? Yeah, if you take more, um, well, you, you, for example, on the federal side, let's let's discuss that just for a second. Okay. Um, let's say you have uh, $20,000. Maybe that might be an extreme situation, but $10,000 extra of overtime, that could put you into a different tax bracket. Now, the, the, the fed, federal government is, is going to tax that overtime on the federal side. On the state side, it it would tend to um, um, push you towards a higher bracket, although the state has different brackets. Mm-hmm. It would push you towards a higher bracket if that tax were taxed as ordinary income. Okay. Um, is there some cap on, uh, I don't know, like how much money you make per year or uh, certain professions, or is it just a straight across the board, any overtime doesn't get taxed? In In the hourly wage earner bracket, there is no cap on it, right? The way I designed it, there was no cap. Mm -hmm. Now, the legislature, obviously, as you know, they can do whatever they want. Indeed. Uh, (laughs) Now, um, there are situations where, let's say that you're not being paid hourly, but you're you're being paid on a commission basis if you're in the sales arena. Um, In that situation, what we've uh, suggested is that they uh, put a $2,500 cap on that um, it could be twenty five hundred, thirty five, five thousand, but that you're exempted from that income or that commission tax up to that amount. Or some people call it a bonus, or some people call it uh, employer's incentive pay, or whatever the category is. So anything above and beyond, like a, if it were a bonus or performance bonus, something like that, twenty five hundred dollars. First twenty five hundred doesn't get taxed either. After that, it would be taxed. After twenty five hundred, okay. So this yeah, is yep, yep. House Bill four ninety, if I recall correctly, and I, I, I think the last time I checked on it, it's still sitting in a, it's still sitting in committee. Is there any idea that this thing is actually going to move? Well, we're running towards the latter portion of the session, and I know their plate has been full with the um, um, the abortion issue and the budget. Um, there is an opportunity to get it in the budget, but um, that's going to be skating on thin ice. If 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 you ask my opinion, which mm. you didn't do, but I, it, it is getting late in the session, so I would encourage folks to uh, uh, contact their representative wherever they are, and their senator, state senator, and state representative, not federal, not congressman or state or U.S. senator. Um, and and let them know that they're interested in seeing this legislation get serious consideration and hopefully passage, um, even though it's late. They can put it in the budget if they wanted to. Uh, let's put it that way. Right, because it, 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 didn't, it didn't make crossover, did it? Um, I don't think it made crossover um, because it was um, it was a revenue mm-hmm. bill and it had to get a fiscal note. Gotcha. And, 
some other shenanigans, but you're correct. Didn't yeah. pass, it didn't make crossover. But they still, as you said, they still can, they could do what they want. <laughs> so if they want to get it through, they can, they'll find a way to do it. Um, and I got to think it's a positive sign. Representative Bell is the sponsor. So I think that's, uh, I mean, that that's a good omen for you, I think, right? It's a good sign. He's uh, part of leadership. So that's. Oh, he's been, he's been wonderful. He's been um, uh, encouraging and uh, we appreciate Representative John Bell's uh, attention to it um yeah um and we have other co-sponsors as well um but as you pointed out we're we're running late into the session yeah i have always heard maybe you can uh, answer this or maybe you can't i don't know we'll see um i have always heard that overtime is essentially a penalty against the employer for not hiring more workers in other words look we you know there's a lot of work that needs to be done and eventually you get to a point where you're paying too much overtime, you need to go hire more workers. What do you think about that? Um, I think about it in the in the opposite ah. uh, uh, arena. Uh, I've, I'm an employer for, for several businesses, and so I look at it from the employer standpoint. If I have someone paid overtime because they're experienced, they know my, my job, they know the software we use, they... Um, uh, they know the the either the service or the product that we're making, and I would rather pay that person overtime, particularly if I can't hire somebody because they've got a, a rap sheet, uh, a, a, uh, they can't pass a drug test, they uh, don't otherwise qualify. I've got to spend a lot of money to train that person. So we're in a situation now where we have a uh, a deficit in terms of people that can actually fill the number of jobs that we have available, right? So here we have um, uh, an incentive for those who are in the workforce that do have the dedication to their employer, their job, their clientele, uh, and their customers to have an incentive to go that extra mile for their family and their career. So in this situation, I think of it as a, as a good thing for employers and a good thing for employees. It rewards that extra uh, hard work, and it also keeps that employee incentivized for the employer to deliver um, uh, a, a good job for the outfit that they're working for, the company or a corporation or LLC. Yeah. Um, the House bill is ha- or the bill is House Bill 490. It is called Tax Deduction for Overtime and Bonus Pay. Uh, and Bill Graham, uh, anything else on this you want to add before we let you run? No, just uh, thank you for the time, Pete. Uh, um, enjoy being with you again. And um, I just encourage everyone to take a look at it and let you House member or Senate member know that you support it. And I would, uh, that'd be a great thing. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Uh, Bill Graham, partner at Wallace and Graham, law firm of Wallace and Graham. And also you can hear him weekly on Good Morning on BT. I appreciate your time, sir. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. Yes, sir. You too. All right. Take care. That's Bill Graham. All right. Now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com.
News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. El Telefono numbers 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show.com and on Twitter at Pete Callender. So I mentioned the uh, the story out of Asheville. This is on Fox News. I don't know why Fox News is paying so much attention to Asheville, North Carolina, <laughs> uh, over the police department stuff going on there. Um, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they shouldn't. It's a very unique case study. Um, but I don't know how it got on their radar and why it's staying on their radar. I am aware of some people with connections to Asheville that move in that orbit of Fox News, and maybe that's why. I'm not going to say any names, but there's another story about Asheville, a public safety coalition for a North Carolina tourist city that has seen a dwindling police force amid rising violent crime told city leaders that their proposed salary raise for officers is insufficient. City leaders in Asheville recommended a 6% pay increase for sworn positions in APD, which members of the Asheville Coalition for Public Safety, the ACPS, it's a a newly organized group, um, and its leader, a woman by the name of Honor Moore, I know her, she's been in Facebook groups and I've communicated with her when I worked up there over the years, and she's a you know local activist type. She's not a right winger by any stretch, um, but they say it's not enough. The city cut the police budget by three percent in 2020, the year of the fiery but mostly peaceful demonstrations of love, because there were all of these uh, temporary anarchist larpers that went down to the city council meetings and were like, you know. Defund, disband the police department. Same crowd, by the way, that, you know, uh, goaded the city council into creating uh, this uh, uh, reparations committee, right? This blue ribbon, yeah, I think it was a blue ribbon commission that was going to look at the, uh, uh, the idea of reparations. Whatever happened to that? I guess they're still studying it. Anyway, the Asheville Coalition for Public Safety Chair, Honor Moore, told city leaders that the recommended salary increase is inadequate when compared to law enforcement salaries in nearby cities like Charlotte. <laughs> Which, that's how bad it is, right? That's how bad it is in Asheville. You know it's that bad because they're comparing themselves to Charlotte. And they're citing Charlotte as a better pay scale for cops. They're like, look at down the road, Charlotte. They got it made down there. That's how bad it is up there. That's how bad it is in in, uh, Asheville. The starting salary for APD officers who have completed academy training and gotten their certification is about 46K, $46,000 a year. That's starting pay. In Charlotte, the annual salaries range from fifty to ninety thousand. In Asheville, listen to this: in twenty twenty, in overtime pay alone, they spent six hundred eighty-two thousand dollars in overtime during all of the the peaceful yet mostly or the fiery but mostly peaceful protests. 
682K. The next year, it was about 814,000. That was in 2021. Why? Cops started quitting. Retiring, resigning, going other places. They they were out. Last year, it was about half as much. They got it down to 391,000. So, yeah, that's a... That is a problem. City of about 90,000 people. I always compare Asheville to Rock Hill. It's about the same size population. Um, They saw aggravated assaults rise by 22%. They saw armed robberies rise by 20%. And the government, the city government, they launched on May 1, they launched a 60-day initiative to actually give a crap about safety. I mean, they didn't call it that, but that's what it is. It's a 60-day pilot program to improve conditions in the downtown district in other words to try and do the things that people expect city government to do right maintain public safety and order right they increase police presence foot bike and vehicle patrols enhance security in the parks they were also going to devote attention to keeping the downtown clean by removing litter needles and poop so there you go to do what they the core services that city government should be focused on they're going to dedicate themselves to do just that for 60 days. All right. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. <clears throat> um, the email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show.com and uh, Twitter at Pete Callender. Uh I did get a message here regarding the overtime bill. Pretty sure that the overtime tax bill H-490 is exempt from crossover because it is a finance tax bill. In other words, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the budget. It can be passed later in the session. Okay, let's... Thank you. I appreciate that insight. Um, yeah, okay. I'll save that one for the next hour. Uh, we will talk, a little, like I said, we're going to talk with Brett Jensen uh, from WBT News, from the newsroom over there, and um, go into some of the details on the superintendent being hired. Uh, it was a, yeah, a lengthy search. <laughs> Dude, what a guest. She was here the whole time. Okay. Um, I have just, I've spent some time during the break doing some searches for a GoFundMe of some sort for, oh, and uh, the GoFundMe, by the way, for the the woman up in New York, the, the physician's assistant up there who got, you know, got the viral video about her put out. Uh, they started at a $35,000 GoFundMe goal, and they've surpassed that. So they're at 45000 So they bumped the goal up to 50000 now. Um but that got me thinking about a GoFundMe for uh, the four kids, for uh, the four kids of Demonte Cheryl. Demonte Cheryl was killed in the South Park fire yesterday. That, according to his family, there is still another construction worker that is missing. I went looking for a GoFundMe. Um, Somebody had already apparently tried to put one up or maybe even two, but they are taken down. And so I'm going to assume that those were scams and that it's always what you got to be wary of. I will let you know if I, uh, if I become aware of, of a legit GoFundMe that gets set up for his four kids. Um, Cause it's just awful. He was 30 years old. Uh, he was uh, working on the site, and um, he was doing windows, I believe. He was on uh, like the sixth or seventh floor of this apartment building that they were building, and he was doing the windows, and um, 
a crane operator spotted two people working on windows and tried to swing the basket on the crane over to them to help, but the smoke and the fire made that rescue too difficult. Uh, WSOC-TV's Joe Bruno says that Channel 9 has not confirmed that DeMonte, Cheryl, and the other construction worker were those two people, but it seems likely that that was the case. Um, Alexa Escobar, another construction worker, said, quote, we had two workers on the building on the left side that were on the sixth and seventh floor. Our crane operator let us know that he could see two people on the balcony on the fourth floor as well. We got the crane over there on the basket and tried to get them into the basket so we could get them down. But that is when the smoke started to get blacked out and we lost sight of them. They had no view. Um, according to this report, one of the construction workers told Channel 9 that it was a foam spraying machine that caught fire on the second floor. And uh, that then spread to the floors above it very, very rapidly. DeMonte Sherrill was one of the two construction workers unaccounted for immediately after the fire. He was a father of four kids, ages 5 through 13. His parents uh, went to the scene. DeMonte Sherrill's father, Terry Campbell, said he rushed to the scene after uh, Sherrill's mom, Onita Sherrill, told him about the fire. So DeMonte's mom calls his dad, and he goes to the scene. DeMonte Sherrill's boss told his dad that his son did not make it out of the fire alive. And his mom, Onita Cheryl, or Onita Cheryl, said that she watched the final moments of her son's life on a Facebook Live with him as he pled for help and prayed that uh, he'd find a safe space. She said, I was hoping, but just from the Facebook Live and the way the room filled up with smoke, I didn't see it being any hope at that time. His parents said that he was a good man who worked hard to provide for his kids. He got that job. He was doing really well at it. They were very proud of him, um, that he was a good man, a loving father, a caring person. He just wanted to be with his kids and his family. And so if I, like I said, if I find out that there's any kind of legitimate uh, GoFundMe or fundraiser for this guy, as well as the other construction worker, uh, I will pass it along to you. Uh, The crane operator, we heard reports early on, uh, I guess that was due to the scanner traffic, that there was a crane operator stuck in the, at the top of the crane, at the very top, 160 feet, you know, up above the fire. Uh, They maintained contact with that crane operator. Um, So the smoke was getting thick. It was hard for him to breathe. Um, they, uh, so some of this, uh, yeah, so this looks like some of the scanner traffic that was at the Charlotte Observer report by Joe Mir- uh, Marusak, Marusak, that uh, you got to, they said, command a Bravo division, you got to put ladder two straight up to protect the crane operator. Ladder two is the only thing keeping that crane operator safe. Um, you shut it down, that's it. Um, one and a half hours, he was rescued one and a half hours after the fire started. They kept uh, spraying water on the crane so that it would not collapse. The operator uh, began climbing down when uh, the firefighters got up there to rescue him. They also rescued 14 people from the burning building. 
um, 90 firefighters battled the five alarm blaze and uh, they uh, actually had to rescue some of their own. They had two May Day calls uh, because the fire was so fast moving. And there were fires that popped up in other nearby buildings. One of the workers uh, told the Charlotte Observer that uh, he ran around with fire extinguishers uh, spraying uh, ash and pop-up fires at uh, the surrounding a suite of three buildings because they were all getting built. And so he was just running around putting out fires all around the area that were coming from the from the burn. So uh, our uh, prayers for the family and the friends and colleagues of the uh, the guys who didn't make it out and our uh, our gratitude and thanks to those who rushed in. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Brett Jensen will join me after the top of the hour news. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is pete at thepetecalendershow.com. And uh, Twitter is at Pete Calendar. Oh, also, uh, coming up soon is the Family Dance Party. And it benefits the Alzheimer's Association. Right There are... A lot of people that uh, Alzheimer's has uh, affected. I am one of them. My family uh, was affected by it. my dad's dad uh, had Alzheimer's when we were growing up, and uh, we, you know, became uh, caregivers for him until we couldn't be. And by we, I mean mainly mom. Um, it's a you know terrible, terrible disease. And so, if you want to help, uh, you know, celebrate the life of a loved one, you want to help try to end Alzheimer's. Uh, there's been significant and uh, real positive developments in the fight against it from a medical perspective. So uh, this is all part of that effort. The Family Dance Party Charlotte's presented by Jameson Realty and uh, brings together generations in order to try to make a difference here. So bring your best moves and, uh, you know, team up with us. Ally Financial, All About Seniors, Carbon Events and Marketing. It's going to be at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Oh, Pete, I don't want to go clubbing. No, no, wait. It's from 1 to 5 p.m. It's a reasonable hour. We're all adults here, right? June 10th, 1 to 5. Go to Mix1079.com for uh, the details on how to get tickets. They're only 10 bucks a piece. Good cause. Mix1079.com. That's our sister station over there. Um, and it's presented by the dance parties, presented by Jameson Realty and our friend Ramona Holloway. Uh, I saw this story. I don't understand why. Uh, I don't understand why people don't want to ride mass transit. Two people were hurt in a shooting on a public bus as it stopped near a Southwest Charlotte outlet mall on Thursday. Now, initial reports here, I saw people were claiming that this had something to do with uh, the outlets. Like, oh, there's another shooting at the mall. No, no, this was not. This was on the bus. I mean, that's it's not that it's better, but right, it was. It apparently was on the bus. Officers 
with CMPD said the incident happened around 11.15 a.m. on Outlets Boulevard, right near the Charlotte Premium Outlets. They have, they have a suspect in custody. Oh, no, they're out already. No, I'm kidding. I don't know if they're out already. But chances are they probably are. According to Katz, the incident started when a passenger started a verbal argument with the bus driver. The passenger then pulled out a gun, which, wait a minute. You're not allowed to have a gun on the bus? Wait a minute. How did they get the gun on the bus? That is illegal. You are not allowed to have a gun on the bus. Somehow or another, oh, maybe the gun, maybe the gun was like a tick, right? Like it just, like it just jumped onto the guy as he got on the bus. And then he was like, well, I have this gun. I might as well use it, right? I'm sure that that could have happened. The passenger pulls a gun, and then the bus operator also pulls out a gun. And then they both shot at each other. Yeah. The bus driver is not supposed to have a gun on the bus either, but I understand. To quote the philosopher Chris Rock, I understand. Right? Katz Katz has not done virtually anything to protect these bus drivers on the bus, right? After last year, one of them got murdered by some drive-by moron, mad that the bus was driving like a bus, I guess, and shot into the bus and killed the guy. Road ragers. People have COVID, the lockdowns, the response, the COVID stuff. I mean, people have gone insane. I guess people were always insane, but they're just insane on the roads. And if the cats people in the city did not want to install the bulletproof glass as it was recommended by a couple of uh, Charlotte City Council members and uh, candidates because they were Republicans and so they don't have any good ideas, right? Okay, fine. Then you know what? I'm strapping. There's nothing else you can do. If I got to ride the bus, I got to drive the bus and I've got crazy people getting on the bus with guns just jumping on their you know, jumping onto their pants or whatever and just hitchhiking onto the buses too. Well, then, you know what? I'm going to arm myself. And better to be armed, alive, and out of a job than dead, right? That's the, that's the calculus here. It's a rational position to take. Kat said in a statement that it is against our policy for an employee to have a weapon on Kat's property or while performing their job. Maybe the gun knew it was a gun-free zone. And so it, it, it ran into the, or flew. Do they fly or do they crawl? They jump? Do they just appear? I don't know how guns do this. Very, very crafty. They have recovered both of the guns. So I guess they're done moving at this point. Along the same lines, women are now documenting uh, the safety precautions that they take when using public transit. Have you heard of a thing called a subway shirt? It's a thing. Or some, uh, some women call it a commute shirt. It's a, it's a big, baggy, ugly kind of a shirt that women will wear over the more revealing, sexier clothing that they don't want to ride the subway on. So they put these big, baggy shirts over the sexy shirts, and then when they get to wherever they're going... They take off the baggy shirt, the commute shirt, or the subway shirt. They take that off, and now they get to wear the little bla- uh, little black dress, or like the, you know, the one with like the the plunging neckline or whatever. 
because the weather has gotten warmer. The trend has recently become a topic of conversation on TikTok, where women have filmed themselves taking the subway while wearing the oversized shirts over their outfits, telling people, remember, it's warm out. Wear your subway shirt.